0: Good evening. I'm Ryan Shaddy, producer of Blooming Out. Thanks for tuning in. We are having a short summer recess, but we'll return live next week. In the meantime, please enjoy this previously aired show without scientist Jack and Draca, along with two new open-door segments. Good evening. I'm Ryan Shaddy, and I'm here tonight uh, with Jack Andraka, and Draca. And it's a pleasure to speak with you tonight, Jack. Are you on with us?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, thanks for being here. I, I'm i going to toot your horn for just a minute and uh, give a l- little brief introduction to our audience here. Uh, Jack is an openly gay teen scientist who has been featured on 60 Minutes, The Colbert Report, and CNN, just to name a few. He has also been a featured speaker in TED Talks throughout the nation. Jack, at the age of 15, developed a test that might save numerous lives by detecting early pancreatic ovarian and lung cancer. To name a few accolades, Jack's work has earned him the 2014 Jefferson Award, which is the nation's most prestigious public service award and the first place winner in the 2014 Siemens We Can Change the World Challenge. He's also been featured in the Advocate Magazine's 2014 40 Under 40 list. Jack has visited the White House many times and was First Lady Michelle Obama's personal guest at the 2013 State of the Union Address. He has also been featured in several documentaries, including Morgan Spurlock's Sundance Film Festival entry, You Don't Know Jack, and Linda Peters' award-winning film, Just Jack. His young adult memoir, Breakthrough, How One Teen Innovator is Changing the World, is currently available in bookstores. Jack, as I said, it's great to have you. Uh, let's get in uh so you are set to attend Stanford. Um, are you already at Stanford uh, currently, or is this next follower? Um, is it?
1: Now I'm heading out in four days.
0: Excellent. So it's ex- definitely an exciting time for you, I'm sure. But if you ever need a change of pace, feel free to transfer to what is known as the Stanford of the Midwest here at Indiana University in Bloomington. Uh, we'd be more than pleased to have you as a Hoosier.
1: I'll keep that in mind.
0: All right. So. Before we get down to your research work, I want to talk about your life in general. Growing up, what was different and kind of telling in your life? What led you on this journey? And, and then what has been a driving force in your work?
1: Yeah, well, I've always been into science ever since the age of three. I I'd do like these backyard experiments, like coconut and Mentos and stuff with my brother. And ever since then, I was just really hooked on science. And then I started doing science fairs in my like, middle school years. On, and I started out doing, like, these environmental sensors from growing bacteria and stuff like that. But so mostly I was, like, an environmental and civil engineering work. But then what happened is a close family.
0: Oh, I think we are having some technical difficulties here. Give us one second.
2: I think I understand that we now can continue with our interview. We're back with I Jack b- and Drake. I believe we've got it back. Jack, are you back Sorry with us? Sorry about that.
3: <laughs> That's okay. Welcome back. Awesome.
1: Awesome. But yeah, so um, that's really how I got into the medical field is after the close family friend passed away from pancreatic cancer, then I really want to find a new way to
0: attack it. That's excellent, Jack. I, I I, don't know where we cut off at, unfortunately, but I think we, we definitely get the gist of it. And we're definitely going to get into your, your work um, life here in a few. Uh, I read a statement from you that you wanted to be on an LGBT show at some point. Have you ever been on a predominantly LGBT show or is this a first for you?
1: Um, I think this is the first one in the U.S. I uh, only other one that I did, I think was over in Australia.
0: Wonderful. And, um, describe, describe your coming out process. How may it have varied from some of your peers and what age did you come out?
1: So I came out when I was about 13 years old, and I was a complete chicken about it. I came out over text to my best friend and then had her tell everyone else in the class for me who told their parents who told my parents. So that was an interesting conversation when I came home. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it went a lot smoother than I thought it was.
0: Did that all happen in the same day? Did, did uh, it get to your friend's parents and get back to your your parents all in the same day, or was it a, uh, a couple-day process? It
1: was just over the course of two days. It happened really, really fast. I was surprised by how quickly it happened.
0: Well, that's what happens with the spread of information nowadays, huh? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so what was your parents' reaction to you coming out?
1: Uh, they were really supportive of me. Um, they, they told me, like, oh, this doesn't make a difference to us. We still love you for who you are. And, um, yeah, they were really supportive throughout the entire process.
0: Did you did you get any backlash from any of your friends or uh, any of your um, any of your family members at all?
1: Yeah, as I talked about in my book Breakthrough, um, at school there was a lot of homophobic bullying, um, and that led me becoming increasingly depressed, I bow with depression, and I went through this period where I was cutting my wrists and doing things like that. Um but what really got me through that is I was able to throw myself into my science and I had a great group of friends and my family who supported me through it um, but yeah, there definitely was a big backlash at my school because also like the teachers they serve out uh, like it was unfortunate
0: so, it was, it was good to have that support network, and, and not only your family, though, but uh, go on to, you know, if, if, getting into your science work and having that to kind of fall back on.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that really, really helped me. Just having times of, like, nice face to
0: thought. So what is it like being an openly gay scientist? Have you had any negative experiences, and has it affected your views on life at all?
1: Um, it's definitely lonely at times, because oftentimes I look around and, I mean, the last major one was back, like, 60 years ago, and she committed suicide. So it's, like, not the best, like, positive role model there. Um, But then also, um, one big thing is, like, for example, I'd go to all these science fairs, and I wouldn't see any other gay people, and people would be like, oh, yeah, we killed gay people in our country. I'm just like, that's not what I was looking for once I come out. And uh, so definitely sometimes it is lonely, but at the same time, it's kind of nice to be able to, like, kind of glaze this child for other LGBTs and show them that really you can do anything.
0: So what's been the most fascinating part of uh, kind of your com- coming out process um, but also being kind of famous in the scientific field?
1: Um, So it's definitely been kind of uh, odd being, like, Having all these different experiences, like I get to meet all these amazing people and do all these amazing things, like I get to just, like be on Out One Hundred and or, like meet all like the president and uh, Hillary Clinton and all these amazing people. Um, and I never really expected that to happen. I mean, I'm just, I was just some random like high schooler from like Baltimore, and so it's just really kind of eye-opening what uh, doing science can really do for you.
0: Yeah, so I watched your sixty minutes interview, and um, that I just seeing you have pure joy in your face when you won that award and running up on stage and um, doing that. Science is really important to you. Why? Why did science kind of take over your life?
1: Um, I don't know. I just it's it's kind of like this obsession or addiction of mine. I just. Love doing science because oftentimes we portray science as this very cold, hard, and rigid field that you can, that's like just full of absolutes and facts uh, with you no know, wiggle room. But that's not what science is at all. Science is all about using your curiosity and creativity to explore and improve the world around you. And so, to me, that just fascinates me, and I just love it. So... I've, it's become such a big part of my life just because I absolutely enjoy every single minute
3: of it. Hey, Jack, this is Jeff. I have a question for you. We we have um, a lot of support groups here in Bloomington that, for, for example, on our show a lot, like Prism Youth, um, which is a, a group of kids of varying sexuality, GLP, TQ, Q, Um, and they act as a, a support mechanism for a lot of people when they're going through, like, the period you went through where you were feeling really troubled. Um, did you take advantage of any outside resources? And if so, were they of help to you?
1: Um, I'd say I didn't really see too, it, was like around the area where Hyatt was, uh, maybe I just like, wasn't looking hard enough. But I remember um, a guidance counselor said, oh, like, um, like, because she found out I was cutting myself, so I couldn't come back to school until I had like, gone to like a support group. And so I went to a support group in Baltimore, but it was kind of awkward because I was like, oh, there's going to be other LGBT youth. It's going to be great. And there was none. It was me and this, like, middle-aged guy. And I don't know, for a 13-year-old talking about feelings to, like, someone who's, like, three times his age, it was a very awkward hour-long period. And that was, like, no fun at all. So um, I wish there had been better support groups like that where I could see that there are other LGBT youth out there. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, there weren't.
0: We have, uh, as Jeff was saying, we have a great support network here in Bloomington and in our surrounding communities too. And when I go to schools, I'm I'm able to talk to some of the gay straight alliances and uh, the Prism Youth Community uh, and and some other things. That's what I get to do for. I mean, that's not what all I do for my job, but that's part of what I do. And what and I talk about a lot of of STEM research and getting into the STEM issues and stuff like that. If you were me and being able to go into these classrooms and being able to go uh, speak with these groups, what would you say to these students to get them interested in the STEM field?
1: I would really tell them that uh, the way that you're learning science just isn't what science is at all. I would tell them to go out and Like, for example, uh, there's this one website that I always go to, sciencedaily.com, and it has the latest breaking research broken down to -to easy-to-understand terms, and just read, like, a few articles of those every day, and then you're going to stumble across a field of science that you absolutely love. And it might seem like you hate science, but in reality, there's always one, like, field in science that everyone, like, that... There's always a place in science that for someone, and uh, there's always some place that you'll absolutely just fall in love with, whether it's like electrical engineering or biology or astronomy. It's going to be some place that you can find something that's just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. So just explore and just really let your curiosity guide you.
0: I remember when I was in middle school and high school, science was my least favorite subject. And... Now I find it one of the most fascinating things in the entire world. I I enjoy learning about the outside world. I enjoy learning about the human body. I enjoy learning about um, the things that kind of make the world go around. And I find it fascinating that that you were able to grasp the importance of science at such a young age that you have taken that and have already done so much with your life. It, It is just absolutely impressive to me. So we are going to take a quick music break and return with you in just a few minutes, okay, Jack?
1: Yes, that's
0: awesome. Great. Thank you. And we'll be right back with Jack and Draca uh, here on Blooming Out. All
2: right. From now, excuse me, new now, next, um, one global sensation that has somehow slipped past our radar is he's uh, called uh, Stromae and strome is a, a brussels born singer songwriter whose music has been described as a melange of hip-hop dance music salsa french folk music um his record uh racine cali went platinum eight times over in his native belgium sold 1.5 million copies in france alone his single Papa Ute reached number one on iTunes in 16 countries, considering Strome sings about AIDS, cancer, breaking stereotypes, and other topics not usually associated with popular music. That's no small feat. Through this androgynous 29-year-old um, identifying as straight, He's not afraid to play with sexuality, gender, particularly on his uh, Toulemem, which blasts gender stereotypes. Something of a conceptual artist, he created a half man, half woman character for this track. This is Toulemem, or All the Same.
4: Macho mais tu m'en donnes vie est infidèle Si prévisible, non je ne suis pas certaine Que, que, que tu mérites ça fait de la chance que vous aime Dis-moi merci Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous au prochain règlement Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous sûrement au prochaines règles Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous sûrement aux prochaines rêves. Facile à dire, je suis gnangnang. Et que j'aime trop les blablabla, bla bla, mais non, 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 c'est important. Que t'appelles les ragnagnas Tu sais, la vie, c'est des enfants Et comme toujours, c'est pas le bon moment Ah oui, pour les faire, là, tu es présent Et pour les élever, y'aura des absents Lorsque je ne serai plus belle Ou du moins au naturel Arrête, je sais que tu mens Il n'y a que Kate Moss qui est éternel Moi ou belle C'est jamais bon Bête ou belle C'est jamais bon Belle ou moi C'est jamais bon Moi ou elle C'est jamais bon Rendez-vous, rendez-vous Rendez-vous, rendez-vous, rendez-vous sûrement aux prochaines rêves
5: Support for Blooming Out comes from Indiana University Health Bloomington. IU Health Bloomington provides hospital-based specialty care as well as community health services like Positive Link, a care coordination site for people living with HIV AIDS. Positive Link offers confidential HIV testing as well as HIV prevention education. To learn more about Positive Link, you may call 812-353-9150 or visit iuhealth.org bloomington.
0: We are back with Jack and Draca on WFHP's Blooming Out. I'm Ryan Shaddy. Jack, obviously being uh, gay is only one part of you. However, the science part is what intrigues me. In Indiana, we lack those who are interested in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. This is a great field for any teenager to be ex- in, uh, to be interested in. But for one as young as you to be doing so much in their life already, what's next? Is finding the gay gene next for you? <sighs>
1: No, um, I'm actually working on two different projects. I'm a National Geographic Emerging Explorer, so Nat Geo funds my research. Um, but two different projects, the first of which is I'm using inkjet printers to print biosensors that change colors in the presence of explosives, different diseases, or environmental contaminants. And each sensor costs only one one hundred thousandth of a penny and takes a minute to run. And then can be read, the results can be read using your, uh, either your eye or just your phone using this app that I program. And then what will happen is these sensors are so sensitive, they can pick up a single drop of the contaminant in 400 Olympic-sized pools worth of water. So they're incredibly sensitive. I'm using these to essentially crowdsource environmental monitoring in the developing world. And then my other project is on creating these things called nanorobots, which are super small robots that I program using DNA. And they'll go into your bloodstream and actually learn how to treat your cancer and like really personalize it, combining like five different therapies at some dosages, and really optimize it for your cancer. But also they can actually tinker with the genetics of your cells. So, for example, I could insert a gene that would essentially make your cells glow green if I want, so certain could see them in surgery. Or I could make them more susceptible to certain cancer treatments. I could essentially reprogram your cells to do whatever I want. Uh, and then also, they can actually emulate a lot of really cool computer functions, and so there's a lot of really cool uh, possibilities there as well. So those are the two projects that I'm working on right now.
0: That is absolutely fascinating. What got you into uh, researching both of those? So
1: for the um, detection for the biosensor one, um, I really suppose it was my work in pancreatic cancer that I was motivated to go into um, kind of this new uh, biosensor. Because uh, I saw that I could detect all of these like different cancers, but now I want to make uh, my tests even more cheap and more fast and more easy to use. So that's what really got me onto that one, and I just really love working with nanotechnology. Um, with the nanorobots, I saw that I could like detect these cancers, but I wanted to be able to treat them. So those are the two big uh, reasons why I got into those projects.
0: Awesome. So. You, cut, you actually cut out when you were talking a little bit about your role models, and um, I just wanted to make sure that our listeners heard who they were because I, I read who one of them was, and I, I just want you to go ahead and let us know who your role models are and why.
1: Yeah, so uh, my first role model would probably be Marie Curie, just because she was doing science. At a time where women typically didn't do science, but she said, through that I'm going to go win two Nobel Prizes and redefine how we look at physics and chemistry. So that was really cool to me. Um, the other person that I really admire is Alan Turing, who's pretty much the only big like gay scientist out there. Mm-hmm. But also he invented like the modding computer pretty much. So those are my two big role models.
3: Yeah, we um, actually did a show with the um, documentarian that did the movie on um, Alan Turing and his life story. I think you touched on that earlier. It was um, a really sad example of what can happen to a brilliant man. Who did so much of did so much for the world, but happened to be gay at a time when it was not acceptable at least not in his in his society
6: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, definitely, and i, I really think that uh, we often lose a lot of uh, people a lot of the LGBT community who could have really great contributions due to for example those homophobic laws by our presence in Uganda and a lot those types of countries. So definitely combating this is a really
0: important topic. And during our music break, we were actually discussing um, during the music break about how we could have lost you and how many of these things could have could have not been found. I mean, we could have been 10 steps back on finding a, a cure to, towards finding a cure to cancer. So, you know, having support groups and having the ability, it, it's just it's amazing that you made it through the bullying.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm so grateful to my friends and family who really got me through that.
0: What was, you know, what what kind of words of encouragement did they give to help you uh, get through those moments?
1: It wasn't really words of encouragement. It was more just being there for me. Um, just being, like, for my friends, like, just hanging out with friends always makes at least me feel a lot better, so um, just hanging out with them or going to a movie and things like that, um, that was uh, what really helped me through that, and I really think that's kind of uh, the thing that got me through bullying was that human connection.
3: So, Jack, one thing that, uh, this is Jeff again, one thing that um, PRISM Youth is working on here in Bloomington, but it's a national project, is they just got a grant to prepare curriculum to educate educators about the concerns of GLBTQ youth. Um, It's kind of a groundbreaking project, and they are literally educating teachers and counselors as to the whole world of GLBTQ kids and what it feels like and how to be supportive. Um, did you feel like you had a lot of support within your school system when you were dealing with all these problems?
1: Uh, no, because I went to this, like, little charter school that, like, didn't have a natural school it was in an industrial park. And, um, this like, we finally got, like, a guidance counselor, like, the very first year uh, it was when I was coming out. And so she wasn't, like, Really prepared for all this type of stuff. Um, so it definitely was. Uh, there wasn't too much support at my school because also the educators were really anti-LGBT there.
3: Wow, that's that's really sad. Um, so don't do you feel as someone that's a lot younger than we are here, and who's more recently gone through this, that projects to educate educators into GLBTQ empathy that uh, that that's really important.
1: Uh, definitely, because. Like, my teachers would, like, publicly humiliate me in front of the class. So anything that, like, improves, anything, like, that, like, where teachers are even just, like, there to support you, I mean, like, that'd be a massive step in the right direction, and that would have been amazing to have when I was coming out.
0: Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Jack? How did your teachers humiliate you?
1: Um, like, they would just, like, call me out in class, like, who are you gay, and things like that, and it just really kind of demeaned me for my sexuality,
0: what did you did you have any moments where you were like, how can I go about making sure that this doesn't happen? Can I talk to my parents about this happening? Um, what can stop this from from occurring?
1: Uh no, I just kind of like took it because a lot of all the teachers I didn't necessarily like, and I was just like, I'm just going to do my work and get my good grade.
0: Well, at least you're out of it now. That's for sure. We'll move on to Stanford. You know, what is uh, what's going to be your major at Stanford?
1: Uh, bioengineering and maybe computational mathematical science.
0: And wow, that sounds impressive. Uh, go into that further. What what do you want to use what you learn uh, in college to do, or how is that going to help you further your work?
1: Uh, well, hopefully, I'll become a Ph.D. A PhD MD. Um, and so I'd be a physician researcher mm-hmm. who's able to see patients, but also do my research. Um, so that's essentially what I want to do. And so bioengineering's is the perfect degree for that. And then also I want to kind of fiddle around with big data stuff. And so computational mathematical science is pretty helpful there.
0: Let's talk about your book a little bit. Um, you, you've written your memoir. And how long did that take you to write?
1: Uh, So I started when I was about a junior in high school, so um, about two years ago, and it was definitely a fun process. It was a lot different than the scientific writing I was used to, um, but it was definitely uh, really fun, and it was kind of nice to have that, like, reflection back on my experiences.
2: Tell us... Jack, this is JP. I was just wondering, uh, do you cover in your um, adult memoir um, the... uh, what you went through um, in your process of coming out, uh, the school experience, things like that?
7: That's one of the
1: big parts of my book is talking about my experience of coming out and the bullying. Um, Because I really want to show kids that regardless of if you're having a crappy day or anything like that, you can still go on to achieve great things, and that one cruddy moment doesn't define your life.
0: Absolutely not. And that's a good point to make to any LGBT youth listening to us tonight. That there is that that cruddy moments happen all the time, but they don't define what you do with your life and how you live your life.
2: So again, that that is the the book is called Breakthrough, How One Teen Inventor Is Changing the World. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Available in bookstores, Jack and Draca. That's correct. Yeah. So, Jack, what would you like to research further? Is
0: there an ultimate end goal for you in terms of your research?
1: Uh, No, not exactly. Um, When I'm doing science, I typically just let uh, whatever, like my curiosity guide my research. So wherever that takes me, whether it's like environmental stuff or uh, medicine um, or even like astrobiology, biology. I mean, there's so many different fields that interest me, so we'll just have to see.
0: Okay, awesome. So let's be hypothetical for a moment. Let's say that you didn't have the support of your parents in getting where you are today, mainly because you were gay. Do you think that you could have done this all on your own without any parental support?
1: Uh, probably not because I need my parents to drive me to a lab uh, every day because I don't, <laughs> don't have my driver's license. I actually just failed it the fifth time today i'm really bad at
0: driving you failed it for the fifth time today for how smart you are jack oh uh,
1: i'm really bad at parallel parking but,
0: uh. i i feel you i, I oh no feel, feel now that.
3: everyone in the room is looking at me because i couldn't parallel park my little volkswagen so don't feel alone on that one jack it yeah, happens it, to all of us it,
0: it happens quite often um Furthering that, what would, you ha- what would you say to someone who maybe is still in the closet but has the same dreams as you to help, help discover new methods and advancements in science?
1: Um, I would really say try and figure out um, ways that you can kind of just get to, get to labs and things like that on your own. So whether it's biking or public transportation, because there are options like there out there and it's going to be more difficult, but you can definitely still do it if you put in the time and the effort. Um, But I would really say just start emailing people. Um, Get like an awesome network together and because uh, when you have that network, it will really help you uh, get through those tough times if your parents like don't accept you for who you are. Um, But you can still go on and do great things uh, regardless of your situation.
0: How were you able to create your network?
1: For me, I mean, just people like whether it was uh, mentors that I met, like through lab work, or like camp counselors or friends, and slowly you just kind of build it, uh, kind of the organic growth that you just get by meeting people.
3: Jack, this is Jeff again. I have a, I have a question for you. It's kind of projecting out in the future since we've kind of brought you to where you are now. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening to you right now thinking, oh my God, this guy's so together. I I wish I could find my passion and move forward with it. And I want to kind of ask you, from where you are now, trying to look forward to the future, both professionally and personally, what does a successful life look like for you? Where would you like to go from here?
1: Uh, I don't really know what job description that will entail, but I know it will entail science, um, But for me, uh, I suppose my success isn't measured in terms of money or how many people know about me. It's rather measured in how many human lives I can possibly impact. And so that's how I'm going to measure if my life is successful, if I'm helping other people live better, happier, and healthier lives.
0: That is my absolute most favorite quote that I have ever heard out of anybody on this show. It takes quite a person to know that fame and fortune and everything else isn't the end game in this all it's about helping other people and helping humanity and being able to be uh, in, being able to have that humility in you at such a young age is just absolutely astounding and it's just impressive that you are already at that point and you haven't even made it to college yet so
1: <laughs> thank you so much yeah,
0: it, um... it, it really is Jack it's, it's really impressive Okay. Oh, so we're going to wrap up this evening's interview with this final question. Tell us why you are so passionate in your research. What is your motivation?
1: One of the big things that keeps me going in the lab, whenever I like have like a failure, because there are endless failures when you're doing science, um, or like face a rough spot or things like that. Um, I really just think because there's a statistic in pancreatic cancer that a hundred people die of pancreatic cancer every single day. And so I go in thinking, how am I gonna help save 100 lives today? And really, I think that I got rejected by 199 labs when applying for my first position in a lab. And so if I could wait it out for 199 rejections to get that one acceptance, I can I can push through this.
0: That is, that's also, I, I think I found my new favorite thing that you've <laughs> ever said. But Jack, that's, all of this is excellent. I'm already proud of you congratulations on all your work um thanks for being on the show tonight and that's all the time we have for this evening
1: thank you so much for having me
0: you thanks. can find out more about jack on his website www.jackanddraka.com remember to check out his memoir breakthrough how one teen innovator is changing the world jack, jack and Drake i look forward to seeing what comes
2: next for you thank you once again thank you awesome. have a good night for our second music break and it is the same artist Stromae I am really impressed with this artist Stromae has been living on the cusp of international superstardom for a while th- throughout the rest of the world the Belgian Rwandan singer is well known in Europe and his some of his big name devotees include Lord Madonna Kanye Sam Smith all people that you're probably going to hear more about but he's yet to break through in the states he's hoping to change that with a new tour hitting new york's madison square garden on october 1st with cybernetic gal pal janelle monet as the opening act the historic concert will mark the first time a french language artist has headlined the garden enough of that uh here is papatui by Strome.
4: Faire au moins mille fois que j'ai compté mes doigts. Où t'es, Papa? nous qui donne naissance aux irresponsables, hein? Dites-nous qui tient. Tout le monde sait comment on fait des bébés, mais personne sait comment on fait des papas. Monsieur, je sais tout, on aurait hérité, c'est ça. Faut le sucer de son pouce ou quoi? Dites-nous où c'est caché, ça doit faire au moins mille fois qu'on a bouffé nos doigts. Et hey Où des papas? Dis-moi où es-tu caché Ça doit faire au moins mille fois que j'ai compté mes doigts Et Où t'es papa, où t'es va pas papa, où va Où t'es papa, où t'es
0: Support for Blooming Out comes from the Center for Sexual Health Promotion in the School of Public Health at Indiana University. The center is dedicated to progressive research that contributes to society's understanding of sexuality and to training the next generation of sexual health professionals. For information about degree programs or research opportunities, you may visit the center on the web at sexualhealth.indiana.edu. Support for WFHB and Blooming Out also comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's Queerest Bar, Dance Club, and Venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. More information on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. We have two open door segments this evening. The first one is about Annabella. Sexuality isn't something that can easily be defined. It is something that is different to each and every person. Annabella identifies as pansexual. Pansexuality is the ability to be attracted to anyone, no matter what gender or lack thereof of genitalia situations they may bring to the table. She says, it is about looking beyond what is presented on the outside and reaching deeper into what really matters on the inside. Annabella is a 20-year-old sophomore from Indianapolis, Indiana, who is a digital art bachelor of fine arts student with plans to receive a minor in psychology. She loves to draw, take photos, make ceramics, do performance art, and occasionally do gymnastics. Here is Annabella.
8: I was a part of the color guard in high school, and there was a lot of open-mindedness, and I was very close with a lot of girls in that group, and it kind of led to the first time, I felt like I should be romantic with another girl. She was my first kiss, and I wrote some notes to her, and it was very sweet and romantic, of course. So, in my backpack, I had one of the notes, and one night, my mom confronted me and said, oh, I found this note in your bag. First of all, why are you going through my bag? Second of all, like, that's really none of your business. If you found it, you shouldn't have even told me. But I guess it's kind of a big deal. So so I was like, okay, someone else wrote that note. Isn't it like a weird note? Like, it's really, wow, I found it. And I was like, this is crazy. She did not buy that, obviously. It was a really bad lie. So she told my dad. She was really worried. And I told him, I was like, okay, yeah, like, don't be weird about it but it's true like i'm bisexual and i mean pansexual but i didn't really know what that was so they were kind of weird about it and they wouldn't want me to sleep over with anyone so yeah that note just ruined everything and i mean just for a little bit i think my dad was pretty chill about it he might have told my aunt and uncle i don't have a lot of conservative family members but I just never told my grandparents and a couple of my uncles. I just feel like it wasn't worth the time or the heartache to try to explain it to them. So I never did that, and I don't think I ever will, but that's fine, that's okay. My first real girlfriend was from church and I started going to church just to see her, which is kind of funny. But the church was actually really open and welcoming, and so that was a really good place to be in, a good space to hold her hand and act like an actual couple. A few people gave weird looks to us, but it was fine. It was better than being out on the street in public, honestly. So that was a great place to be, and I honestly kind of miss that. But now I have a boyfriend, and we're really serious, and it's been like over a year and a half, and people are always like, oh, that's great, it must be easier, like, not as stressful. That's true, but there's always a chance that I might not end up with a boyfriend. I might end up with a non-male person or non-cisgender person, who knows? Like, I'm pansexual, it's like always up in the air. I guess for the moment, life is easier, but you just never know any advice I could give, I guess it would be to look at your family members and think about what is worth trying to explain and what you can leave out and, like, look at each person and realize if it's worth your time and effort and, like, stress because that can really kill you and, like, make you second guess yourself, make you feel horrible, and, like, if their reaction is, you know, almost violent, then it's really not worth it.
0: For our next music break this evening, Ollie Alexander dazzled in a rainbow-colored feather poncho, customized converse trainers, and glitter in his hair as he bounced around the stage with seemingly endless amounts of energy. However, it was his moving speech towards the end of the band set that stood out as he reflected on the events of the past few months. I am gay, in fact I am really, really super gay, he joked, but what I keep thinking about in the last year, some crappy and messed up stuff has, has happened as a queer person, as queer people. We know what it's like to be scared, and we know what it's like to live with our fear as part of our everyday. But tonight at Glastonbury, I would like to ask you to join me on Pride Weekend and say no thank you to fear. Bye fear bye. Shove a rainbow in fear's face. All I have to say to finish is, I am here and queer, and sometimes I'm afraid, but I'm never ashamed for who I am," he concluded. The Shine singer has been vocal about the need for gay role models, recently releasing a music video celebrating sexuality. In March, the 25-year-old revealed that growing up in a straight world caused him to suffer from anxiety and depression. This is Shine by Years on Years. second open doors is Angel. Not all coming out stories have to be sad or tragic. Some people are blessed with an unconditionally accepting family. Angel is a 20-year-old sophomore from Northwest Indiana who studies human development and family studies. He's lived in 24 houses and has gone to 16 different schools, including Indiana University. Angel enjoys hanging out with friends and spending time with his adorable cat, Ezra. This is Angel.
5: I was eight the first time my mom got my brother, sister, and I together, and was like, do you guys like another boy or a girl? To which we all replied, no. She was like, well, if you guys like another boy or a girl, there's, like, nothing different with you, nothing different about you, there's nothing wrong with you. And so even so, it was, like, really hard for me to come out, but I did come out the day after Valentine's Day in my freshman year. I was basically, like, over it, and the reason I came out was because who would turn out to be my boyfriend for a couple of months, had come out, and, like, that was, like, the two-week mark, and I decided to jump on the bandwagon. And so how I met him was we were in swimming together, and we were in the same lane. And through one way or another, we, like, figured out that each other liked boys or whatever. He then comes out, and then I come out two weeks later. Two weeks after that, we, like, ended up dating for two months. But we stopped dating because his parents... We're gonna force him to go to like a Christian school after he came out, and I was moving to Crown Point, and he was being sent away, and now he has a boyfriend, and I don't. So, <laughs> five years later. The whole time we were doing this, like, I would sometimes come home with hickeys on my neck, and my mom, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's like from one of the girls on the team. And at the same time, Jose had also started coming over with, like, more and more frequency. And I was like, he's just my best friend. Like, he's my best, whatever. We're really close friends. And so we're basically we're standing in my kitchen. And I was like, hey, mom, you know all those, like, hickeys on my neck? And she was like, yeah. I was like, those are, like, from Jose. She was super cool about it. The only family member I was worried about was my brother. My sister was fine with it. She's gay also now. Well, she was back then too. But my brother in high school was like on the wrestling team, on the football team, you know, whatever that is. And I was really worried about it. Uh, it actually turned out to be one of my biggest uh, strengths with my coming out and like why I was never bullied. When I came out, he basically was like, and he was two years older than me, so he was a junior at this point. He was like, if you have a problem with my brother, like, you have a problem with me. Uh, so I guess my advice is just um, like always question your truths. Do you know what I mean if if you feel like this is the one truth about it, like look at it from another. Just just try to question it and keep looking, uh, because what I found is like that there's never just one truth. When I first came out, I was like, oh, well if I don't do anything like super gay, then I must not really care about being gay that much. And so I've come to terms with it because I'm gay, but I don't have to act gay. And so there's that whole, like, narrative of, like, oh, you know, being gay isn't who I am, la, 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 la. But being gay is very much a part of who I am because it's really defined my experience in life in a really unique way that, you I mean, somebody who's heteronormative, you know, straight, whatever, won't experience. If you feel like you coming out might, like, pose a danger to your health, for a lot of people it does, and I don't even... I'm talking about how I don't really, I think it's such crap that you even have to come out. Always take a second to like look at where you are and who you're around. Take a moment to like think about how everyone else is going to react and whether or not that's going to be safe for you, whether or not it's even worth it, or whether or not you even feel like you need to come out to people.
0: Our final music break this evening comes from singer-songwriter Joey Suarez, who recently dropped his debut single, High in the Sky, The slickly produced dance pop anthem is about coping with hard situations and using dance to get away from them. Suarez, 23, told HuffPost, I like music that makes you happy and makes you want to move. If it doesn't, then I'm not interested. The New York-based artist and former model, who hails from Texas, has been working steadily toward a full-time performing career for some time. Citing Beyoncé and Troye Savan as two of his musical influences, Suarez credits his recent split with a longtime boyfriend with finally providing the impetus to dive headfirst into producing music full-time. I thought I was getting married, but instead, I guess I'm now going to put out an EP, he quipped. That was my trade-off. High in the Sky is the first taste of Suarez's forthcoming EP, which is currently slated for an October release. The EP, he said, will be a five to seven cl- song collection that will make you want to dance, make you want to go out and party. He's aiming to make it topical, too, with one tune describing the uselessness of grinder and other dating apps. I allude to how we feel when we message somebody and we're waiting for a reply, or you meet someone and they ghost you, he said. There's a disconnect that I think technology has created and I'm definitely highlighting that. Although artists like Savon, Sam Smith, and Frank Ocean have thrived in other genres, Suarez believes there's a lack of openly gay performers in dance music aside from popular DJs, and aims to fill that void. I believe strongly in starting out saying, this is who I am, and not coming out later as a publicity stunt, he said. Suarez celebrated the release of High in the Sky with a performance at New York City Pride Fest this past month. Here is High in the Sky by Joey Suarez.
7: I hear them breathing, they're screaming my own name. This all comes from feelings. When I'm touching you, baby, don't be ashamed of me. You think about it way too much. Isn't this what they call real love? I've been waiting for so long, even before the birth. Now I can feel all the chills from all the mistakes that you'll make
0: Thanks for tuning out to Blooming Out this evening. On behalf of host Jeff Jewell and Jeff Pulling, executive producer Joe Crawford, board engineer Sarah Hetrick, I'm producer Ryan Shaddy. Tune in again next week at 6 p.m. here on WFHB or streaming around the world at bloomingout.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.